Don't forget the bait. I got the rods. Welcome, Welcome to, to Everything, everything angling, angling, where we cover everything, everything angling. angling. I'm Justin. And I'm Tosh. Welcome back to Everything Angling. I'm Justin. And I'm Tosh. And we are joined by special guest, Jay Clone XXI. <laughs> oh gosh. For you guys that don't know, that's his, uh, that's his alter ego on his other this? podcast. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're actually recording at Indian Lake. Yep, we are out here on the shores where I fish every day. So I think actually probably our next two episodes will be on the water. Yep. Uh, we were supposed to do a different on the water episode, which you guys will find out about soon enough. But we had the thunderstorms roll in, and it's hard with really expensive electronics to decide whether it's worth it to take it out on the water today or not. You don't want to get that stuff wet, do you? No, no, especially because it's all brand new. Uh, but no, so we'll just do our little our little hour segment, and we'll go on from there. So, Jay, you got any fishing stories for us? I got a few. Do you want to tell your musky story to start us off? I can tell my musky story. There you go. Let's hear musky story. So, uh, I think I've told you, right? Yeah. So, I'll kind of lean towards you and tell you. So, when I was, uh, this was in the summer of 2001, up in Canada, in Ontario, McGregor Bay. Okay. Um, on the Great North Basin. Uh, I was 10 years old, and I had a Zebco 404. I think it was a 404, right? Yep, 404 or 303. With a button push and... Yep. So um, we were trolling. There was four of us in a little aluminum boat. And I was off the side of the boat with my little Zepco. And I'm sitting there and my rod just goes... You know, just bent over. So my initial... I'm caught in a rock. Yep. So dad turns off the motor and everyone's reeling in. And I'm just sitting there waiting. And um, I had a little... Pull behind, I don't know what they're called, but it's just a little bait, almost like a rattle trap, but it had a big deep diving nose bill on okay. it. And and I'm it wasn't that shallow or deep water. I just wanted something that pulled real hard. Yeah. That's so I felt like I was doing that feeling. Yeah. So that's what I had on there. It was a little chartreuse and blue one. And like I said, my whole rod bent back. So my dad finally puts motor in neutral. They all reel in. Then he starts putting it in reverse. And as he's putting it in reverse, my rod's still in full bend mode. <laughs> so he's like, are you sure you got a rock? But I was only 10. I didn't know. So I gave it a few big tugs and like nothing. Like it's still pulling. I'm like, yeah, it's stuck. And he's like, okay, but I'm going backwards. It shouldn't be doing that no more. But so as we're going backwards, then it started to move. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I just thought maybe it was the angle. He's taking the boat back. And then it goes from the back of the boat all the way to the front of the boat. And my line, my whole rod just in complete bend. So now I'm realizing, uh-oh, there's something on here. Oh, yeah. And I'm, so I'm, like, trying to reel in. My dad's, we don't see nothing. We're looking. And then you just see this musky head come up out of the water, like, yeah, just a full-on mm. head, mouth wide open. And back then, we didn't, I didn't have a steel leader on. I didn't have nothing on. Just, just mono. Just, just, yep. The mono Zebco normal crap line. Yep. And tied, on, tied straight to my lure. You are a lucky fisherman. <laughs> You're telling me. So um, this fish comes out of the water. Now I'm like actually scared. I was only 10. I'd never seen a fish this big before, let alone had it attached to my line. So I'm reeling and, and it just dives straight on the boat. My whole line just, uh, or my whole pole, I don't know how it didn't snap. It's yep. completely bent into the water. And it goes from the front of the boat. I had to jump over one of the seats to get it 
under, then I fished it out, went over to the side. This boat ended up pulling, or this fish ended up pulling our boat um, with all, me and my three, my two brothers and my dad, so three of us, pulled us all the way to the shoreline. And we didn't even have a net big enough. We just had a little one of those blue nets mm-hmm. about like, you know. Trout net. Yeah, yeah, bass net. Bass net, pike, like <coughs> even big pike was a problem. But so this is a big pike on steroids. So the net wasn't even big enough for this fish. And my, we ended up, I fought it for probably about 20, 25 minutes. Like it took forever. And I, like I said, I don't know how you could, when it came up out of the water, you could see the teeth. Yeah. And I don't know how it didn't shred that line. And it, cause this thing was buried deep and it, it swallowed my bait. Yeah. And, uh, we, my dad, we got it to close to the shore. We kind of pinned it between the shore and the boat and he stuck the net under it and just flipped it up into the air and it landed right in the boat. Like it hit me first and then knocked me down. And then now there's this giant fish laying in the boat nice. and we got it. We netted it. Um, it was 48 inches, 28 pounds. Holy 40 inch. 48 wow. inch. Well, 40 inch musky is a lot of people's goldfish. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like a 40 pound or a, no, 40 inch musky. Uh, what is a 14 pound walleye, a 40 pound? It's they got you got your trophy. Trophy, fish. yeah. And that's a 40 inch musky is what most consider a trophy. So 10 year old catching a 48 inch musky. This uh, I was we measured myself and the fish. I have a picture of it. I'm I was just at 48 inches. Like the fish was just as big as me. That's the meaning of watching a kid catch a fish as big as them. And I always tell people that's why it's important. Take kids out fishing, and mm-hmm. it can only happen for so long in their life. That's yep. Because I'm never gonna catch fish now. I don't know how tall I am now, but a little bit taller than 48. Well, you Not could. much taller, but you can get an alligator gar. Yeah, that would be the next step up. Yep. yep. So I have that fish. We actually kept it and mounted on the wall at home. So I got that fish uh, with the lure next to it, um, and I got the pictures to remember it forever. And that's awesome. That was with your uh, grandpa and your dad, you said? Just my dad and my oh, two brothers. Your dad and two brothers. And that's awesome. That's, you know, right there is family bonding. Right there is, you know, oh, that's yeah. where fishing comes from is right, you know, get out of mom's hair. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. That's a memory that lasts a lifetime, and, yeah, I'll never forget that. That is awesome, man. That's a heck of a story. That's a, You are one lucky fisherman. I know. I wish, I, I wish we would have done more with it, I guess, or shared it more, but we didn't really share it with anybody till you know, you got your photo when you come back. But once we realized... It was kind of a bigger deal catching it on that little pole with no no leader or nothing. Well, this is also before the time of sharing was, where you could yeah, share on was, social media and everything. This was summer of 2001. Oh, wow. I was barely out of high school. Yeah. Huh. Seven. That was seven. Oh. I was 10 going on 11, but not quite 11. Now, yet. what lake was this on? It was in McGregor Bay. Okay. Um, which is, um, you know, you got Lake Huron, but then you got that great north basin lake. And just north, like the very top of that, it's one of the bays that go. you go back in there. Okay. It's about a 16 to 18 hour drive from home here. Nice. Up in the Canada. Yeah. Do you still go up there and fish to this day? Oh, uh, ever since the whole mandates and stuff, yep. we haven't been able to, but we switched up to Minnesota. So Minnesota. Now I, now I go to Minnesota. Yep. Be nice. there next month. Nice. But no monsters out of there yet. No monsters out of there yet. Yep. You got to come here and fish. Right. Yeah. You got to come here and fish. So you can get at least a 30 pound. 30 pound flathead oh that's right that's next on my i don't have any of them on my trophy wall or tr- just in general well we'll come up here one day when we put you on one yeah, all right all right that's a heck of a story man grandpa's biggest is oh, yeah i forget <laughs> grandpa's biggest i think was 38 out of indian oh. right right down from where you live yeah most flathead. people don't know yeah. musky muskies used no, to be flathead. A, oh flathead. was it that's sorry i was talking about 
Okay. I mean, like... Yeah, there, there was musky here. Yeah, most people don't know that there was musky There still here. is pike. I'll argue with anybody about that. Yeah, well, fishermen love to argue, and I agree with that one. Uh, there can be anything in here at any given time. Mostly there's grass pickerel. There's a lot of grass yep. pickerel in here that people don't realize, but I'll tell you what. Everybody at home, if you're thinking you have a grass pickerel or you're thinking you got a pike, pike don't keep the teardrop past, like, six inches. So you have a fish that's, like, 10 or 11 inches, and it still has got this big black teardrop... Right it's a grass pickerel, yeah. Yep. Mm, okay. Grass pickerel. Yep. I I I don't fight on Facebook often. Often. Every once in a while on the, one of the Indian Lake pages, not not your page or anything like that, but there's like four of them. And somebody will be like, "What's this fish?" And I'll be like, "It's this. It's like orange spotted sunfish." Yeah. They'll be like, "No, it's not. It's a warmouth." I'm like, "Just look on my Facebook and see what I used to do for a living. Like I have all my careers exactly. listed." Exactly. And then just, you know, like, I, I know Midwest fish. Yeah. I know them. I know them. It's your wheelhouse. I've held fish that no, 99% of people in this state couldn't ID. Like, yeah. I just can't stand it. Well, do you got a story? Oh, gosh. Since we're going well, to I can tell that, stories. yeah. So, on the bridge down here, uh, uh, I can tell you, what, what's the name of this bridge, the red one? The Mini Walking Bridge? The Mini Walking the Bridge. The one in between Tecumseh and here? Yeah. Yeah, it's we just mini walking bridge. Okay. I don't know if it has an actual name. Okay. So we were fishing off. That's the same one my brother in his in his wheelchair got hit on by that drunk driver. Ooh. Uh, so yeah, he it's still broken. It's still if you go on the outside and look in, you can see when the beams is busted out. Really. Everybody's like, "Oh, how'd that happen?" Well, it's because he was in his action track, his motor, his big heavy wheelchair. A drunk driver hit him going over seventy miles an hour back there. Good lord. Coming out of cranberries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it wouldn't, if they wouldn't have hit Luke first, he'd have killed probably twelve kids because there was a bunch of kids fishing on the bridge because it's only just golf cart traffic. Yeah, normally, yeah, there's not many people. And then it's dead ends like right after it, so yep. it's like you can't you if you are going fast, you're going in the lake or into a house. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to go. I don't know how they get the straightaway except for right before the bridge. He was in I can't remember a little red sports car. Oh wow! So he's probably started right at the gas station and just. Did you guys floored. catch any fish though that day? I don't know if they did. I was at home. Oh, you don't know if they did? Uh, but no, that, that bridge, I was going to tell Grandpa got his big one. is 38 or 39 pounds. I got a picture of it on the scale. I just can't remember. He hooked one up because we would jig off that thing for him. We'd take a bluegills or chubs or whatever and just sit there and jig. And yep. we'd tear them up. You know, we'd get probably 12 or 15 flatheads a day. And, you know, most of them were those four-pounders. Yeah. But, you know, every once in a while you get a big one. We got one, and it got in that hole. And once they get in the hole, we're pretty much, you know, we just... They're done. You know, they're not. You're not getting them out of their hole most no, of the time. Once they spread their fins and lock mm-hmm. in, they're locked in. They're not coming out. But he wouldn't. He was like, "Do you want me to cut the line, Grandpa, so you can keep fishing?" He's like, "No, I'll just sit here and hold it." He is there for probably, I swear, hour and a half, two hours, just sitting there, and the poles bent. Like it's just snagged on the bottom, basically at this point. All of a sudden, I just see him, and he's like running down the other way. He finally, that flat had finally let go, pulled out of the hole, and took off the other direction. Oh, wow. He ended up catching it. We got it netted. It got pictures of him with it and everything like that. I swear he held that stupid thing like that for two hours. <laughs> he outweighed the flathead. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of cool because I've always wondered if that was possible. He did. I mean, I wouldn't have the patience. I'd rather, I think, and we've literally, I've caught flatheads that have the hooks from the other lines. They just snap. Oh, yeah. They, you know, they'll turn around right back around and eat. They don't, no. They don't miss opportunities to People feed. People say they get, um, Sore lip, and I no, I think they don't get sore lip. They'll eat and they'll eat and they'll eat. We had one we caught over at Moundwood. They had a hook in its esophagus from somebody else. Ooh. Couldn't even swallow. 
because it was pinned shut. Oh. And then it was still, but it's still eight R bait. They don't care. Like, they're still they're trying still to trying. Sh- shovel food down there. Yeah. Well, we've had ones in the tournament that come in because we do. Uh, we got a sad say. We got a wandum now. Metal detector fish. Oh yeah. But um, this was before the days of that even. But uh, we'll have them come in the tournament, and we had one that the hook was in the gill plate. Ah. And it was an old EWG um, worm hook. So it was like rusted away, and it had probably three feet of line that was coming right out its back gill. Oh wow! So I was able to get in there, and the the tip of the hook, the hook point, it was all rusted off. It was basically just a straight piece of metal through one of the thin, basically the cartilage of the bone there, through right through there. We pulled it out, pulled about three feet of line off them, and. Wonder how long that was there. It was there for a while. It was rusted. Oh yeah, wow. It was rusted. Yeah, I mean, I, I've we've caught electroshock fish up that have stuff like I swear some of these lures are 20 years old. I, I feel like that it's been stuck in them. Skins yeah. all start to heal up over them, stuff like that. Well, we've all seen pictures of fish that uh, are expelling the hook out their back end. Oh yeah, I mean lures that happens. That kinds. happens often. Oh, my the muskie I have on my wall, uh, it had a sanko stuck into its side, but the stank this that's stanko. The Sanko was so, like, there was just a little bit of the worm left. It, it was pretty much just all corroded away. And then I also had the uh, radio transmitter tag in it. So it was part of this, one of the studies. Mm. That was a long time ago. I was like, I thought I killed somebody's, because I, I harvested the fish. And I thought, I'm like, I killed somebody's, prod, like, study fish. I'm in so uh, much trouble. Because it was all, like, uh, oh, what do you call it? Algied over. Yeah. So it's a bright yellow transmitter tag. That has a number call when you catch yep. it, whatever. I ended up calling. They said, hey, you can keep the tag or whatever. They just wanted to know how long it was when you harvested it. That's all it's for. But I think I was 17, and you just, like, you get this fish. I was so excited for my first muskie. I'm like, I'm going to get it mounted. You know, I was working at McDonald's. There's probably four or five paychecks to get it mounted. And I was just so excited. And then you get home, you pull it out of the cooler, and you just see this yellow tag. <laughs> Like, I'm going to prison. <laughs> I killed somebody's project fish. And that's from Alm Creek. Anybody don't know, they have, basically they tag those muskie with a RFD transmitter. Uh, and if you see the PVC tubes in the spillway at, in, at Alm Creek, they want to know how many muskie are just leaving the lake. Yeah. That's all they really care about because they're stocking so many muskie in there. Yep. They want to know how many is going to Alm Creek and then the big Darby and all that down the river. Yep. Got well, another one, Jay? Or Tosh, you got one? Man, I got fish stories for days. <laughs> I bet. Fish stories for days. One of my favorite things I do, I do remember, though, is I think I've told you before, my dad would always wake me and my brothers up. I got two brothers. And he would kind of hit us with the, you boys want to go to school or you want to go fishing? And my dad's biker name is Fish. Okay. Like, that's his biker name. Everybody in the world knows him as Fish. So we'd go fishing. And lots of just lots of good fishing memories were made and bad ones because i tell you what you go out with your brothers and you go fishing dad stops at the gas station and he buys a pop well my family is not we weren't rich so my dad got us a bottle to share we're little boys i probably was i was probably 11 or 12 and then max would have been he's five years younger so seven ish and then sam was with us because i remember him being in a car seat and he'd been about one or two. And we got, me and Max got to fighting over that bottle of pop. <laughs> yeah. On the way to fishing. We hadn't even been fishing, but we were fighting over that bottle of pop. And my dad did one of the, you better, you better just stop or I'll just turn this car around. Well, we didn't quite stop. 
my dad snatched that pop bottle out from underneath us while we were arguing threw it straight out the window kept driving i thought we were going to go fish mad river by by the pyatt castles and he kept driving i'm like oh we're not going fishing now i was upset kept driving kept driving wound up somewhere to this day i don't know what lake it was it could have been springfield it could have been i don't know i was young we got to the lake and it had a real steep incline just um for a boat ramp Mm -hmm. all the way down i remember the water level being low and we normally always had just wax or not wax worms up night crawlers red and white bobber split shot look that's how me and my that's how my dad wasn't an angler my dad was a fisherman and we just went out and enjoyed so i remember playing around with that and i'd always take off the the bobber and try to find something to add to the hook and try to build a fly or this and that and i don't know if I had caught a frog or what I was doing at the time. But I do know my dad saying, all right, pack it up. We got to get ready to go, da, da, da. And I just cast it out one more time. I don't like touching fish. and that sounds really weird for a fisherman to say. Um, I don't like getting the bait off my hook either. So if you whip it through the water, I've mm-hmm. always done it. It shreds the bait off. Mm-hmm. So I remember doing that. Try to get whatever it was, or I think it was a night crawler off, pulling it off. And next thing I know, poof. I had one of them hits. I'm just like, huh? So I start reeling it in, and I was on the Zebco 303 spin cast. Just you know, every every dad got them for their kids. Yep. So they were nine dollars. <laughs> if they were even nine dollars back then. Oh, back then, yeah. Yeah, I don't. They're cheap. So I just felt something hit it, and I'm just right along the uh, side of the boat ramp, and uh, as I'm reeling it up, I'm like, what the heck is this? And that was the first time I ever have remembered that I caught a bass. Ah. And it was not just any normal bass. In my eyes, being that young, it was a 100-pound bass. Right, it's massive. I mean, it was massive. In reality, I bet you it was only five or six pounds. Yeah. But that was the first time I had ever, because I remember catching bluegills. That's 90% of what we caught. Bluegills or sunfish, chubs down at the creek. You know, the, the, the targeting of fish was never... I never, I never, that was not something that we were ever taught. So it was just, you go out and you throw something and hopefully it hits. So I remember catching that bass that day and being just as happy as can be and wondering, you know, what other fish are out there. Yeah. And then when you start asking your dad and well, he's not the most educated on what other fish are out there. So that's kind of what got my, uh, my starter, starter, burner started or whatever. He's got something big. Oh yeah. Get it with a cane pole. Yep. That's, that. a, that's my neighbor, Pat, by the way. He can, he's can. he got fishing stories for days, too. Hi, Pat. <laughs> Can't hear us. Yeah, he's focused on that fish. It, okay. He just pulled in. He's down there fishing. <laughs> nice bluegill. Yeah, he's down there fishing with two cane poles. Just harassing people. Yep. Yeah. I'm, not used, to, I'm not used to recording podcasts. Yeah, that was the, the first, that was the first bass I ever remember catching. Ever. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. And that, that, I mean, that, that stuck with me. And I was, I was after bass then. I was about 13. And then I was a catfish guy. Okay. Yep. I think I was. I followed about that same thing that we used to. So I was, I think I was seven. I got my first. Oh, before I tell that story. It may have been Cowan Lake. Down that way. That you I, I really don't know. Look I know we picture, passed. Because that, that boat ramp is the steepest boat ramp. That's the thing I remember. The boat ramp was just like. We were there. We went camping last year there. Me and Emily. I was getting ready to do, put the boat and everything. I'm like, geez, if your parking brake don't work, you're gonna, everybody's gonna die. <laughs> going in, they're going in the water. Because it's 
well, there's Big Muskie in that lake. But anyways, I was at my grandpa's buddy's pond. Uh, I remember my, my grandma asked right when she had to go into the wheelchair. But grandpa took us fishing and all that stuff out there. And I was catching little bluegill and stuff like I'm. I'm probably on the SpongeBob rod and reel if I if I you know. And he was helping grandma, and I had this bluegill. But I went to keep catching bluegill. I mean, it was a little farm pond. You catch bluegill about every cast. You know, as fast as you can rebate it and throw it back in. Yep. And he was helping grandma. He's like, one second, one second. So I could just start doing that, like casting the bluegill back out, let it swim, reel it back in. This bluegill's probably all of three inches. You know, it's just, it's getting tired. It's, it's got one of those big red and white clip-on bobbers, the Walmart specials. He can't even pull it down no more. He's just all tired. Then it dives down, and I remember holding it. I remember getting dragged into the little stones at the swim area, getting pulled in. Grandpa turns around, and I'm all the way up to, like, my belly button in the water. And he's screaming at me. He's like, why are you in the water? Your mom's going to be so mad. What do you do? Like, what do you do? It? And I like it, I can't talk because I'm, like, holding on to this rod. And then I end up, like, going under the dock that they're on and into the stairwell. Like, there's steps to go in yeah. like that they built. And he's like, you got snagged up on that, and you're in the lake, and you're in the water. So he go, he has to get in there, and he reaches down to unhook it. And he pulls out this, to me, like you said, like the monster bass, yep. this giant, fat, pond bass. It was probably four or five pounds, but he just in there, choked down that little bluegill, and he's like, oh, you did have a fish. <laughs> he's like, i never seen anybody get one that big out of here. Just And uh, I killed it, and I remember I cried for for days. No. Uh, don't worry. Uh, his buddy ate it. Like it was on the grill before we left. <laughs> See, I'm I'm perfectly all right for killing fish and eating. I'm, I'm, most I, people think I'm all against it 100, percent but no, you got to feed your family. And I, I don't personally eat fish, mm-hmm. but uh, hey, more power to them. I know people eat white bass, drum, everything. So the only thing I don't care for is the drum. I've tried it dozens of times. You know, because we get it. You get drum. Just fishing for anything else wherever yeah. you go, you know. So they're in Indian Lake now. Yeah, a couple drum will What's fill a cooler. Freshwater drum, uh, sheephead. Sheephead. Oh, sheephead. Yep. Heard the same things. Yep. Huh. Yeah, their actual n- name is freshwater drum. Gotcha. Sheephead are a whole different animal. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't think they have a sheep's head. No. Not at all. I don't all. know if somebody used to beat sheep to death in with, the head with them. With them, yeah. Like a club. Well, they are. They are a. Uh, very prosperous predator. I think that's the right word. They're, once they hang on, prolific. they do well. They're prolific. Prolific. That's the one I wanted. Prolific. Yeah. Uh, they're they're weird. Like their their guts. So they're assault. They're pretty much they're the only. They're cyanidae, like science cyanidae. Uh, they're the only member that's fully freshwater in North America of their family. They're all saltwater. Like huh. and what the weirdest thing is, there's saltwater fish that are their cousins. Are some of the biggest coastal game fish in the world. Yeah, they're related to black or black drum. Yep. Redfish. Yeah, redfish uh, are drum. Whiting and stuff like that. They're all cyanidae. Now, why people don't like the taste of freshwater drum or sheephead is they actually have an enzyme in their flesh that causes their flesh to start breaking down faster than any other fish in the freshwater in, wow. in the North America. Doesn't mean they're bad to eat. It means they can get mushy pretty quick. You put them right on ice, like you, normally, what you know, they help stop it. Yeah. But if you have them on a stringer, they will like turn to mush so fast. Really? They get a nasty, like almost rotten taste to them. But Interesting. I've tried them dozens of times, smoked them. Smoking was about the only way I could eat it, yeah. and it wasn't the best. 
I'm like, I'll, you know, and I've, I've tried creek chub and all that stuff, and that's fine. Creek chubs are overlooked. You can eat creek a bunch chubs of are overlooked. You can eat a bunch of them. You They're, can eat a bunch of creek chubs. Yeah. Watch the bones. That's 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 a saying right there from Justin. <laughs> you can Creek eat chubs are overlooked. <laughs> you can eat a bunch of chubs. Mm -hmm. Now All that's right. from there was when I was just starting fishing. When I was sixteen. We drive down to Alm Creek like every weekend. Cause that's you know we'd been fishing Indian Lake our whole life. Mm -hmm. So it was like when we could drive, it's like where where do we go? And I wouldn't go on the highway. So Alm Creek's the, the biggest lake we could get to. That wasn't no highway driving. Yeah. You know we'd take the whole back way from Canton and all that to get there. Uh, we go fish on Home Creek, and there was an old Asian guy, and he'd fish there every weekend too. We, you know, so we'd see each other, talk to him. He's super nice. And I tell you what, they will fish for anything and everything. They don't care. That's what I'm getting. And they at. eat it all. That's what I'm saying. Is that he would tell us that we catch, you know, we'd catch suckers before I knew anything about suckers, and we'd catch, you know, like, oh no, good eating. You do this, this, this. Yep. Like, come on, like, come on. And he'd be like, no, 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 good eating, good eating. And we're like, okay, we take it home, and it was good eating. And then, like he said? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was right. It was, And he would keep everything. Like, yeah. people would give him suckers. Uh, this, is probably, this is definitely illegal. I mean, it probably was illegal back then, but he even started keeping uh, mud puppies as salamanders. Ooh. They're toxic. I don't yeah. know how he was eating them, but he was like, oh, no, they're good eating. He I'll tell you what. Times. I, or he just had a stomach. He was probably, every, he'd probably kill everybody in his family by... <laughs> Eating those. Ew, that's some bile. Uh, yeah. Ew. I can't eat fish. I don't eat fish. I won't eat fish. Well, salamanders are even a whole nother thing. I'm not even trying. I don't do oysters. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I'm meat, potatoes. Give me some green beans, baked beans, corn. Jay, you going to swim for us? Am I going to swim? Mm-hmm. I, I don't preferably want to. It's what, it, it, how often you can you come to a lake and not swim? True. I, I pretty I much got wet clothes. enough that I was swimming. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't swim in Indian Lake. I, yeah. won't, I won't get in this lake unless somebody's paying me. So I don't, I respect that. I respect that. <laughs> get in there and noodle one out for us, Jay. Noodle That's illegal one, yeah. in Ohio. Huh? Noodling and catfish is illegal in Ohio. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't see you why know, you'd want to do it. Do you know why I don't like That's it? That's my problem there. I don't understand why somebody wants to do it. Here's why I don't like it. Is noodling is targeting nesting adults. Noodling specifically, I've been all through Louisiana. I, I tried noodling a long time ago. Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas. I mean, yeah, essentially they have to be nesting and nesting, on their bed yeah. and want to defend it. The second they pull it out that flathead, all kinds of predators rush in. Oh, I'm sure. And they eat all the eggs. So there's literally areas that have been heavily noodled in Louisiana that don't have flatheads anymore because they just they couldn't reproduce for so long. Hmm. Uh, because they're literally every they're you know where they're going to like they they would artificially put the perfect breeding structures in yeah until so they knew where to go to noodle yeah so it, and they had that same problem with smallmouth bass in Lake Erie why we're having a better smallmouth bass by numbers we're having lower fish like no but better smallmouth bass by weight by weight lower yeah. numbers yeah what's happening is the gobies are painting the bottom which is easy food source for them they can easily catch all the gobies they want so they're just, they're not stressed for food whatsoever the problem is the second they get hooked and get pulled off their bed for just a second the gobies rush in and just eat everything yeah gobies destroy things uh so what's happening is lower smallmouth bass are being little or amounts of smallmouth bass are being produced but the smallmouth bass are there are getting massive because yeah. they live on top of a buffet but that buffet will in turn eat all of their eat offspring all their offspring very true very true <coughs> 
Well, Jay, you've been a. Uh, how how often do you fish? I fish about once, uh, or a few times a year. I mean, like full on, like you know, week long go fishing. You take actual fishing trips. Trips, yeah. So you have to make it a point to go fish. Correct, yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes we'll go out and go fishing. Like sometimes, not. I'm not. I don't fish as often as him. That's for sure. But I, I usually, it was definitely a point every summer. That was always our family vacation. Was a week-long fishing trip fishing trip somewhere to get away yep huh well if i could only encourage you go fishing more oh yeah just take a rod with you as you're driving around one of my favorite things to do is to pop off on the side of the road on you know because where i work i drive michigan i drive all over yeah i like to take five minutes under an easement or under a bridge just just jump out under a bridge Hmm. and one of the biggest things I, i that i always say is if you're creating a trip to just go fishing you build a lot up, a lot of expectation and everything. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, I don't find it nearly as peaceful as if you just say, I'm going to break away for 20 minutes. And go fishing, yeah. And go fishing. Yeah. And someplace you've never fished. That is true. Never been, even if you catch nothing, the struggle of what is here, what is around me, using your eyes and your ears to figure out what will work best, and just take very light tackle. And if you find out more and more, you will more and more start to catch fish on those little 10 15 minute trips mm-hmm. and then that makes your big fishing trip a lot easier also oh yeah makes it more easier. yeah oh yeah i agree yeah. with that um i i think well we've done a little stuff like little fishing around the creeks just around my house mm-hmm. and i was more amazed about what he we pulled up out of there that i've lived by it my whole life didn't know yep what little fish are just beautiful little fish are in these creeks yeah. old water creeks especially spring fed creeks and everywhere little daces and little red sided and flashers and, and darters and, and, yep oh. all types of beautiful fish in these creeks that's that's probably the one thing i'm definitely missed out on my whole fishing uh, career in my life is just little things like that yeah but yeah i mean normally when we go fishing it's just a big long fishing trip where there's no phone service no cell signal you know, none. They, they have to boat in to the cabin. Right. So do no you target TVs. fish while you're out there, or are you guys just pulling? Pretty Normally what I always did growing up was uh, just said trolling. Just trolling. Okay. Just all trolling. Just get in the boat all day, troll the whole time. You stop for lunch. Once lunch is over, you rest up for a, you know an hour or two, get back out there for the evening, and troll the whole evening until the sun's about, and make sure you get home before the sun sets. And, and then wake up next morning, do the same thing for a week. And it's pretty... It doesn't sound too bad, really. It's pretty peaceful. I'm afraid if I did that, though, I would never, ever go back to work. Yeah, I know. I think... Uh, so what we used to do, and I, I, we got to get back to doing it, is go down to Arkansas, and there's a guy we would commercial fish with. He had a commercial fishing license, and we just helped him out. If you did that, Tosh, I think you'd be addicted. Commercial fishing? Hoop netting. I know. Because the second... Because you get to pick what you keep, but... Just the chance, like you get an alligator gar in the net, so you get to see an alligator gar, the big alligator turtles, an actual alligator. He's got a he's had a couple bull sharks in the nets. Wow, uh, it just it's addicting because it's like I don't know what I'm going to pull up. Yeah, it's not like coming. fishing addicting. Yeah, a see different. that's the thing. I've, I've I've often put minnow nets, there are minnow traps down in the creeks and everything, and I've even done away with doing that. I go I like to go out and actually catch one. I do rod that and reel. Yeah. I like to catch my chubs with rod and reel. I like the reel. I've gotten into uh, Takari fishing, which is minuscule, really yep, thin, thin, thin micro fishing, thin line. I'm talking tippet line for a fly rod. Real small, small jigs. You can probably fit 10 of them on your thumbnail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real small stuff. 
and I like that. I have, for me, it's about the the rod and the reel, and the line to the water. Mm -hmm. And I've just I've never been big on wanting to do commercial fishing or any trapping of that. You know. I got addicted to just seeing fish. Yeah. So like. That's I want to fight the, them though too first. That no, I get that. I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> I want to fight them. But there them are first. some species like uh, I caught blue suckers and that's way before I caught one on rod and reel. Yeah. And blue sucker for a non-game fisher is the the king jewel. I mean, it, they're hard to find. They're super rare. They're monsters. So here's a little thing that I can prove. I have the legal documentation. I've caught the world record, and I've caught the state record in Ohio at the same spot for the blue sucker. Oh, really? But it was electrofishing, so it doesn't count. Ah. But it would freaking destroy the current rod and reel record. And it was funny. It was the same run on the lower end of Scioto, uh, which... Oh, it's gone ever, now. Everybody's going to go. Good luck finding it. <laughs> it is in the middle of absolutely nowhere. We, keep in mind, we were doing a 40-mile float that day. Oh, wow. So it was there was like a site every like 20 miles. So we started a site, site in the middle, yep. site at the end. Uh, and we did the whole Scioto River in like chunks like that. Yep. Oh gosh, man. I miss it, but I don't miss it at the same time. The Scioto is now one of the most biodiverse for fish places in the state or in the world or not in the world, in the United States of America. Uh, and then in the seventies though, it was so poor. Uh, wasn't it heavily polluted? Oh yeah. yeah. Now it's one of the cleanest river, major river systems in the U S yeah. Thanks. So I mean, that's big. Thanks to all these watersheds that work in all these counties and everything. And Finally, people started to realize that water I'll, is the lifeblood. I'll mm -hmm. tell you what the waste management plants in Columbus, wastewater sewage. Yep. They're the best in the country. The best. And here's why I think they're so good is because it's one of the only cities that doesn't penalize but incentivizes. Very so true. a lot of these people, like a lot of these places, like they just get penalized for being bad and they just don't care. Like it's like it's a fine on the company. Like, but they, you can't shut down the wastewater treatment plant. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You physically, on these, especially these large cities, they can't handle not having a wastewater treatment plant yeah. or a, a city water or whatever. So they just, what's the, What's what's the big deal? Like I, they're not going to shut us down. Why do we care? Spike the chlorine every time the the coli coliforms get up too high. Spike the chlorine. So that's just as dangerous as putting poo water in the in it is dumping godly amounts of chlorine in these rivers. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the same thing for the fish. It doesn't matter. Uh, what Columbus does is they get awesome bonuses. They get incentivizing stuff. Like, they get all kinds of stuff for hitting their water quality goals. And guess what? They hit their goals every time. Well, yeah. If you got a, you got a, a goal to meet and you know that you're going to get something for that You get goal. two extra weeks of vacation a year and, you know, yeah. a couple thousand dollars at the end for that vacation. You're going to hit that every time. Guess what? Yeah. yeah. You're going to make sure you're going to be watching those E. coli coliforms. You don't want to touch the chlorine bottle. You know, that's the whole thing. And it scores, so in this, uh, on our documentary, you guys will see it, Greenlawn Dam, it scores excellent. The Iowa River scores from where it touches the Ohio to the Greenlawn Dam. It scores excellent the whole way. Oh. There's not one spot that's struggling at, like, enough to affect a score. The only reason it doesn't go up farther into Columbus is because of the dams. The dams uh, impact the habitat enough to, you know, it's going to, yeah. you lose a lot of scoring on the habitat itself. Because yeah. they sedimize above them. Yeah, I'm not big on the dams. Yeah, yeah. And dam, there's a lot of dam this, removals. We've dammed this dam waterways up for so damn long. Now, I'll tell you one more story. Do you know about the fish that may have only been, well, it's kind of a weird fish. 
But their last strong suit, last stronghold, as far as we can tell, was in Ohio, in the Blanchard River. Okay. Do you know what fish it is? They may have only been found in the Blanchard River. No idea. The hair lip sucker. The hair lip So there's really a fish called that? There was. They're extinct. Oh, there's my buddy Case flying around. I seen him, yeah. He's going to land right there next door. Right on, He's going to try to land on the roof. So there, He did, too. Uh, By the way, Case is a blue heron. A blue heron off is the a, Facebook is, page. Is it a crane or is it a stork? Or heron. What is it? A heron. It's not a crane nor a stork. They're all, they're all different. I'm going to call them blue heron cranes, too. There you go. I, <laughs> His I, name is Case. I just messed up calling the shoebill stork the shoebill crane. Oh, yeah. You were corrected. And I, that, that was a pretty cool video or uh, episode you guys that did. That was a lot of fun. For anybody who wants to, you know, listen to anything more about uh, bio, bio, well, biology, that's the word I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> biology of fish and waterways and everything, check out Cryptids of the Corn because they, they do all the cryptid zoology stuff. And with, uh, oh my, Justin's background, uh, fish biologist and whatnot, he actually brings a real scientific view to it that, I mean, I like them. I like them. And that shoe, well, shoebill, shoebill, stork, stork, stork. Yeah. Shoebill, shoebill stork. stork. Yeah. Even though that I called it shoebill That episode really was cool for me. Um, I was born in Florida. Oh, were you? Uh, yeah. So I was born in Florida. I don't remember living down there, but I do remember going down there with my grandfather. And you are not wrong when you say that you can see a shoebill in Florida wild. You can. That's awesome. Um, it's not something that very many people do or whatnot, but I do know that a highway that you drive going all the way down to the Keys, there's lots of little island pull-off areas and whatnot. I know I seen one when I was a kid because it, that, that, that big bill. It's, it's very distinct. Just, yeah. It sits inside your head, and it almost looks completely fake. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays I'd say animatronic, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what that word. I just looked fake. Yeah. And I remember saying my grandma's a bird, water bird. I'm like, that's not a flamingo, though. That's not, that thing is cool. Water and bird. I really thought it was she a statue for the water. They weren't wrong. Time. Yeah. I thought, hey, it was a water bird. And it, just, it very well could have been a very lifelike statue, also, because, like I said, we were just there in the park, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't They're know. They're there. They're but there. But I've seen it, and that's it stuck with me, and that's why, you know, when you did the episode, I kind of really liked that one. Another bird I just seen on the Facebook page was talking about those swans. Yes, the invasive. We got two invasive swans here at Indian Lake. Are you sure they're invasive and not trumpeters? From what I've been told, yeah, um, the game warden's actually trying okay. to get them. Now I couldn't tell from the picture. So trumpeters are native to Ohio. Yep. The mutes are the invasive. I do believe I'm 99% sure they're mutes, but just so, like any fisherman, right, I could be wrong. You can't really tell from that picture. It's just you can't because no. the defining characteristics are at the butt end. Uh, the curled wings, uh, the curled wing feathers. Yep. And then, first off, mutes are mute. They may, they hiss and they make a little trumpet. Trumpeters are named trumpeters for a reason. Yep. If you hear that, there you go, Jay. You love when I make noises. Right, yeah. Or like just cranes in general, they're blue herons even. They all oh, make yeah. T-Rex sound. Oh, we got a perch now. Oh, yeah. He's over there. He's a... He's tearing him up. He's King Fishing King. <laughs> King Pole King, as we call him. We're live on the scene where... What's his name again? Pat. Pat where Pat's pulling in. Neighbor Pat. He's down there with King Pole. Does Pat you. listen to this show? Uh, he listen, He's probably listening to us right now, ignoring us. <laughs> <laughs> Man. 
is he saving them for dinner? What's he doing? Yes, he we he feeds uh he feeds himself and then also anybody that wants fish or whatnot. I think he does a little fish fry. Pat, That's I cool. I want fish, Pat. Yeah, um, bluegills, perch. We've caught crappie, saw guy. I mean, we probably put we put meat in the freezer back here. I'm, I don't eat it, so it's not my freezer. Right? Yeah, not your. But freezer. I have no problem helping out because oh, fish oh. is my funnest thing. Pat's going. Where's he going? Maybe. Oh, so maybe I'll take you over there and show you this. We have that whole area set up for Fisherman's Delight. Ooh. We have a bait cage underneath the dock. We have pole holders that are drilled into the front seawall. And I say we by him. I'm just the lucky neighbor that gets to fish his property. But uh, it's all set up so that way he can catch the fish, throw them in the cage. He can clean them three days later if he wants to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We used oh. to do that at, when we camped at Twin Lakes over by Finley. We had a fish box. And that way, you know, you only got one catfish that night. You know, you could try to get a couple more tomorrow night and, you know, carry them over so you don't got to clean three different times. You keep looking at that rod, I'm telling you. If it goes off, it'll go off. Oh, it's 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 not even, it's like subconscious. Yep. It's not like a real, like, looking to see if it's got a bite. So uh, I know it's been a couple, you guys haven't heard from us in a while. Oh, yeah. We've been busy. And, Jay, you got... You got some new, or not Jay, Justin, sorry. Justin, you got some new, you got a new angler in your family, don't mm -hmm. you? Atlas was born. So that was, yeah, the, we had to cancel the one because we were in the hospital. Emily was fine, but we had to go to the hospital early there for a minute. And then, yeah, Atlas, my, my son was born eight pounds. So he should be fishing by the end of the month. That's a, that's a big catch right there, yeah. eight pounds. He should be fishing by the end of the month, hopefully. Uh, no, so yeah, we had to take a break for that. Well, so make we should sure be back on a regular age, schedule. You, make sure when he gets of age, you get him in the junior anglers. and well, I know good. you, you'll be out there fishing with him. He'll probably be teaching me then. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be yeah. teaching me by then. By the time he's three, he should have his first alligator gar. The human Christmas. That's the goal. There you go. And you know what? I kind of also want to do something. I figure, you know, we're going to keep doing these. I think we should every episode do a fishing tip. Okay. Fishing tip. Well, we're towards the end anyways. What, what fishing tip you got this week? All right. Let me. I don't know if I can think of. Let me. Well, here I'll, I'll gear this towards catfish okay. because, well, that's you guys just well, did we your did, yeah. catfish today. documentary, and we just had. By the way, we had a catfish tournament where a 12-year-old kicked 123 guys' butts. Oh, that's awesome. A 12-year-old won it all out of. Uh, there's probably 120 guys and four kids. 12-year-old won it all. That's awesome. But uh, here's my fishing tip. If you're going out flathead fishing, this really only pertains to flathead fishing, and you're finding that you're not getting the bites on live bluegill, instead of just cutting the head off, try doing flapper style. So what flapper style is, is basically you take the fillet from the tail and you cut it up to as close to the fin and you still leave it hanging on both sides of the spine. So essentially you have a fish with the head and then flapping fillets and then sp uh, spine and whatnot. If you can do it fast enough, the fish will still have some activity mm -hmm. to it. But that, if you know there's flatheads there, that almost will always spur a bite. It, it's, it's like the magical key, I think. Mm -hmm. But still, I have yet to catch one this year, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going flapper style tonight. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect thing to end on. All right. Well, I have been Justin. And I am Tosh. And you have been? Jay. Tight lines. And solid hooks, that's my friends. Goodbye. Tight lines. And solid hook sets. 
And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to leave a five-star review. And please, share it to a friend that would enjoy, and leave a comment. 